This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to For the Shire, by the Shire. Each week, we speak to property and finance professionals working in and around the Sutherland Shire. Discover insider tips and tricks from the Shire's leading experts on how to get ahead in today's market. Introducing your host, Nathan Smith, the Director and Senior Mortgage Broker at the award-winning Birdie Wealth. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of For the Shire, By the Shire. Today I'm joined by Sean Atkins of Clarity Financial Planning, a financial planner based here in Subland and working in around the Subland Shire. Uh, Sean's been an advisor for over 15 years and passionate about helping Shire locals plan their best retirement possible. Sean actually holds the highest educational standard for financial planners, being a CFP accreditation, uh, but he's most proud of his other role as a father with uh, three young kids and uh, a true local Shire resident. Sean. Born and bred, mate. Born and bred. Welcome. <laughs> Haven't left. Yeah, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Now, uh, we want to talk about a financial planner and their role within buying property and uh, how you can best help people because there's a lot of myths around planning. So I want you to help me break those down. Sure. First of all, give me a bit of an understanding. What is a financial planner? Well, if I was in an elevator and someone said, what do you do? And I had a couple of minutes, I'd probably say, uh, you know how in life you get up in the morning, you have pretty similar breakfast, you jump in the same car, you, you travel the same roads, you go to the same job and do the same stuff at work, you come home, you, know, you, you feed the kids the same stuff, you go to dancing, soccer, whatever it is, you get busy preparing for the next day and then you fall into bed and you get up the next morning and you do the same thing. But sometimes there'll be those moments in the day where whether it's driving to work or whatever on the train and you look out the window and you start dreaming a little bit about what could be. Gee, I'd love to be able to take the kids to Disneyland. They'd really love that. Or, you know, gee, we'd love to be able to retire a little bit earlier than what we see or how could we pay that mortgage off? And then all of a sudden car honks or something like that and you snap back into your daily routine. And, and so quite often what we find is that people have dreams and goals that they would love to love to be able to achieve but uh, due to the daily grind and, and things like that, they don't achieve them. And uh, we think that we fix that. Great. I love it. So helping to get those dreams and, and thoughts into an actual plan, a formal plan and, and work towards them. Yeah. Yep. How did you get into financial planning? Well, uh, I mean, I've always had a, a bent towards maths and things like that sort of that was a natural ability, I think, in, at school. I didn't struggle in that area. Certainly wasn't the world's most sporty bloke. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just was was good at maths and that sort of thing. And then my father actually, uh, he morphed his career into financial planning in its sort of genesis as an industry because it sort of really started in earnest probably in the 90s, came out of that real financial product world into actual advice. And so I saw my dad helping people um, and uh, thought, yeah, you know what, I think I'd, I'd love to be able to do that too. So that's how, how it all started. 15 years in the industry now, mm-hmm. uh, looking back day one to today, number of changes, what are you seeing that's changed? Well, I think, you know, there's been a heavy amount of scrutiny on our industry uh, and a lot of that's warranted, certainly. And so, you know, we really are at the sort of the tail end of moving from a, a real, um, an industry that was built on pushing financial products perhaps uh, and um, you know that has its has its um, 
uh, issues back in the day, moving now towards conversations we're having with clients that don't don't involve financial products at all. So we won't uh, often talk about Australian Super or Macquarie or things like that. We'll actually be talking more about their strategy, uh, which means how can we allocate your resources better? And that's a very different conversation to financial plans we're having a few years ago. And consequently, as financial advisors, we're a lot more effective. So we are actually genuinely changing people's lives because strategy is what changes people's lives, not a, not a financial product that's one percent better than this one or, or whatever it is. Um, strategy is what makes a difference. So that's, that's, that's where the industry's come from and it's an exciting future, I think. Now, when people think financial planners, they might be thinking it's for the ultra-wealthy, it's for my transition to retirement, or will come and have a chat with you once I clock over 50. <laughs> what are you doing with young families, Gen Y? How are you helping them? Our, our sort of motto is that everyone deserves a financial plan because we think that uh, there's a lot of complexity um, out there and, and no matter what stage of life you're in, we think you can you can optimise your financial decisions and uh, we're sort of experts in that space. So, for example, anyone who has left school and starts to get a job will have a super fund and superannuation is something that most young people kind of don't worry about, don't care about, or don't, not don't care about, but just don't think about. And yet people have multiple funds, uh, they don't know where their money's invested and things like that. So number one, we can help people have a look at what's going on under the bonnet. You know, it's likely that their superannuation will be one of their largest assets uh, that they'll have for retirement waiting for them. So if you tend to that and care for that in your 20s and 30s, uh, the outcomes can be vastly different, you know, you know when, you, when you are 60 and 70 as opposed to if you don't do anything about it. The other side where we help a lot of young people as well is in around budgeting planning to try and get into their first home or buy an investment property. And then thirdly, uh, you know, protecting people's uh, livelihoods. So, you know, most people, if they're going to buy a home or that sort of thing, they've got to get out of bed in the morning and go to work. And uh, if something happens to them, they get sick, they get injured, have an accident, um, which can happen to any of us at any time, helping people understand what the risks are and that you can pretty affordably mitigate those risks by taking out some simple insurance against that. You know, most of it can be funded through super, which is great. So, you know, we're helping people protect their loved ones through through that measure as well. So super yep. budgeting, insurance yep. are your big, That's big right. key yep. points for young. I think the advantage people have in their 20s and 30s is they have time, right? So exactly right. it's not, you're not bringing them in and making radical changes. You can yep. make small tweaks and that compounding effect year on year can, exactly right. can really change the outcome of uh, where they end up on retirement. Yeah, exactly right. Property and financial planning, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think to speak to a planner as part of their team when they're going to purchase a property. They know they need finance, so they speak to a broker. They know they need legal advice, so they speak to a conveyancer. They've got to interact with a real estate agent. How can a planner help somebody buying either their first property or an investment? Affording that property is pretty important, so an advisor can certainly help you work through um, you know, whether or not it's a prudent thing to do, whether they can afford it, uh, so working on the budgeting side of things as well. But if we sort of think about property as an investment, say, I think where an advisor can help is that we're not... We're sort of uh, property, oh, sorry, asset class agnostic. So as, as an advisor, I'm not in love with property. I'm not in love with shares. I'm in love with the fundamentals of that asset class. So what I mean by that is I'll actually just be super unemotional and quite clinical about the way I assess whether it's a good investment or not. You know, I'll look at the numbers. Tell me what property you're thinking of buying. Let's look at the cash flow. Let's look at the potential growth. 
And let's then compare that to what other asset classes are available, be it shares, bonds, things like that, and say, well, you know, is this the smartest investment for you guys? Um, and property can, and a lot of times, is a really great great option. So a financial advisor can help you assess the merits of, of buying a property on its fundamentals versus what else is available. So what you're doing there is helping model out the numbers and show them what, what that property looks like. I think that unemotional piece is fantastic for people because property, because we can touch it, because we can see the kitchen Absolutely. and the backyard, we can really tie up some emotions in there and unfortunately that can lead to bad decisions. Yes. So you coming in and saying, well, what is the growth? What is the yield? Can we hold the property if, if things go wrong? That's right. Uh, that's uh, holding property and being able to hold property long term. Uh, could certainly lead to a better outcome. Sure. Because yep. we're, uh, we're selling when we want to sell instead of when we have to sell. Yeah, good one. Let's talk about insurance now. It's uh, a really hard conversation to have sometimes, uh, particularly young people will will uh, will find that it's something they'll put off. They won't want to sit down and, and sit with their partner and say, hey, we're going to die one day. Yeah. What do we do? That's right. Um, any tips on starting that conversation? But the statistics are that, say, about two in five guys will either have a heart attack, cancer, or stroke by the time they're 65. One in 10 women get breast cancer, stuff like that. You think of the 90210 example. I think it was Luke Perry. He's in his 50s, I believe. Unexpectedly had a stroke and died. And then you've got, I can't recall her name. She's the brunette one on 90210. Uh, it's just come out yesterday that she took part in the new series. I don't know if you know, they've done a revamp. And uh, she had stage four breast cancer the whole time. And then only one, when it wrapped up filming, she's then announced it. And uh, she probably doesn't have a lot long left. I'm, I'm not surprised by that because if there was, say, eight in the cast, four guys, four girls, one of them's had a stroke, one of them's got stage four breast cancer. And so this stuff happens. It's not like you want to talk about it, but it really does happen. And so I think what we try and have conversations with people is to say, look, you just address it, you sort it out, and then you don't have to, don't have to worry about it again. You do it in an affordable way uh, and, and, and that way you know you're protected. People think that it only happens to older people. I've got a, a young couple who are clients of mine who came and saw me a few years ago. We sorted out their insurance stuff. We, we got mum and dad both insured properly in a really affordable way. Uh, and then they had a little boy. His name was Oliver. He's, uh, uh, he got, came home from daycare, was quite sick, passed that on to dad. And dad got what seemed like a flu, but he started to go downhill pretty quickly. Typical bloke didn't go to the doctors and ended up keeling over at work and woke up 15 days later out of a coma. Uh, he had a, he's had a lung infection that went to his brain and uh, more than half of the people that wake up from that particular uh, pneumococcal meningitis, I think it was called, wake up with a disability. Now, he didn't, but it took him about nine months to get better. Now, he had income protection, so his salary continued and not only that, he had some, some what we call trauma insurance, and that paid them out about $250,000 because one of the definitions to claim was uh, any more than 48 hours in a coma. Now, you might think that's kind of rare, but he is, that saved him financially. You know, he was a shift worker. His base salary was only half of what he earned. He got lots of money for working back and working nights and things, and his sick leave reverts back to, you know, uh, the basics. They couldn't have survived. But instead, they had plenty of money to sit in the offset account. He could take longer to get back to work. Uh, so anyway, look, I think it's just so important to consider it. It's not nice to talk about, but you just address it, get it done, and, and then you can move on. And it's not rare, unfortunately. It's not. That's exactly We've right. Got cases at the moment we're dealing with okay. inheritance from guys in their 30s. Oh, so wow. it happens. It, yeah. it definitely happens, and we see it. And it's 
it just needs to be addressed. That's all right. it is. The yep. conversation has to happen. You can't put your head in the sand. You've got to sit down and have those tough conversations. Yeah, um, you, you do. We, we, we just try and think, how can we help you uh, in the event of something going wrong? How can we make sure that you're left in no worse a financial position? Sure, you'll be worse off because you're dealing with sickness or anything, but you don't want to have to also be dealing with a worse financial position. And insurance can solve that really cheaply. I want to quickly touch on two other types of insurance that people may have heard the term before but uh, may not know what they are. And this is for your, your, your bulletproof 25-year-old who says, well, I'll buy an apartment on my own. If I pass away, then we just sell the apartment. All good. All done. Let's talk about some of those insurances. So one, I'll just use the terminology. You can explain them out. So let's talk TPD. Sure. Let's talk trauma. Yeah, nice one. How do they work for your 20-year-olds? Yeah, so most people think of insurance as life insurance and you've got to die to get it. So yeah, sell the property, mum, dad can deal with it, whatever. But uh, TPD stands for total and permanent disability. And what that essentially means is that you are totally and permanently disabled, but you're still alive. So you still owe the money, you know. You you, you still got to pay the pay the debt, and if you can't work, uh, TPD is designed to, to be a lump sum to be able to pay off your debt, you know, and any and maybe a bit extra to cover some cash flow for a couple of years until you get some assistance or whatever. I mean, TPD means you're not getting better, you know. I say it's almost like you've died, but you're still here, and so you it, it's quite a, a rare thing, and so it's quite cheap the cover, yeah, because it's it's hard to claim on TPD. But I tell you what, if you're in that position in life, and we've got a couple of clients in that position, they're very happy that they had that insurance. You know, we've got a family member who's a plumber, got thrown off a roof with some illegal wiring in the house, fell into some, some gas bottles, and he's um, had a brain injury and, and, uh, and, and uh, he's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He had TPD, and it, it really saved his family. Trauma is different. Trauma works um, based on definitions. So with TPD, not to get too technical, the outcome of whatever happens to you has to be that you're totally and permanently disabled and then you get paid. With trauma, you've just got to meet a definition. So that might be cancer, heart attack, stroke, 48 hours in a coma like I spoke about. Uh, and in the event of diagnosis, you get paid. So we've had two clients in the last 18 months get diagnosed with cancer, not old people, not smokers, and they got a lump sum payment simply because their doctor said you have malignant cancer. Uh, and what that means is you've got money there for treatment to get, get the best doctor you know of, get the best treatment. And I tell you what, you think cancer treatment um, is just covered by Medicare and uh, I've got health insurance. I tell you what, you know, my, my, unfortunately my dad went through it and, you get, and money gives you options. You know, if you go on in Medicare, you go on a waiting list, you can wait four, six weeks to start treatment. If you've got an aggressive cancer, you can use a pay, you can start on programs that cost 20 grand a week, you start tomorrow and it's the best treatment possible in a private hospital. It's maybe an indictment on our health industry, but it's how it works. Money money talks. And so we think having a lump sum of money in the event of something nasty happening puts you in a position of power to get good treatment. Let's transition across to property now. Nice one. Uh, let's talk a bit about your property journey. So Chai Born and Breads, yeah. uh, how have you found it on the other side when you've gone out uh, to open houses buying property? Yeah, okay. Mate, uh, so my wife and I, uh, we bought our first unit off the plan in Sutherland in 2009, and we've since bought and sold five, five yeah. properties. Yeah. <laughs> we just, our friends actually uh, have a good giggle that, you know, we, when we ever, if we ever go out and have a look um, for, for, for a new home, we often, we often buy it. Uh, not because we're loaded, we just, uh, you know, we, we sort of probably maybe a little bit uh, gung-ho with that and just, just see it, like it, and, and, and go for it. In terms of our journey, we've just seen the Shire 
judge for a meteoric rise, hasn't haven't we? Like really, we've just since two thousand and nine prices in the Shire have, I would say, doubled at least in in a ten year period. We've been very fortunate to to ride that wave in some respects, but it's a great place to live. I'm, I'm not surprised why why it is as high as it is. Well, that's uh, home of the Cronulla Sharks. So right. where else would you want to live? That's right. So of course it's going to drive property prices <laughs> yeah, up. Absolutely, mate. Uh, so we've got property as one of your major asset classes that you can invest in. Uh, let's talk about the other one, not uh, not cryptocurrency. <laughs> we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll leave that one alone. Let's talk shares. So how do we invest in shares compared to investing in property? Uh, well, shares are a bit of an unknown for a lot of people and they can scare people because, you know, you sort of maybe watch the news and see that they go down more than they go up or, or something like that. I think the key to, to, to investing in shares is just to get a bit more of an understanding of what they are. If you're buying shares, you're really just buying a small part of a, of a big company like Woolies or Coles or Telstra or um, one of your banks or, or whatever it is. So the idea behind shares is that you know you, you, you put a bit of money with that company and they take that money and they invest that into their operations and, and make a profit on that money. And then as a shareholder, you get a portion of that profit through dividends and then hopefully as the company grows over time, the share prices grow. And so that's how you make money from shares. Historically, shares have performed as well or better than, than property. So they are a real, they've got lots of tax mitigation stuff as well, like dividends from shares are really tax effective, but it's more about understanding them. And when we talk about risk, and it feels like property perhaps is much less of a risky asset than shares. What I'd say maybe on a really short-term basis, if you said, look, I'm going to buy property for two years and shares for two years, you know, well, you probably shouldn't do either. Mm. Both property and, and, and shares are what we call a growth asset class, and they I should only be investing in them for the very long term. Sort of, we saw sort of five, six, seven years plus. How you do it? Well, you can open yourself up a trading account and get cracking. We think that that's a, a little bit of a dangerous road to tread. We think um, diversification is key, and that's one probably advantage you have with shares over property is with say a hundred grand. You can be very diversified in a share portfolio and own, you know, fifty different companies with a hundred grand in property that might be a deposit on an investment property. You're buying one home and one street, so you know that's that's probably one thing in favour with with shares over property. Yet we we as I said, we don't have a necessarily a love affair with either. We just look at the fundamentals and when clients come to us and say, you know, we want to start to invest, let's let's find what's ever right for you. So if somebody wants to invest in shares, they can do it on their own. They can. Um, Yes, but uh, it's a bit like a dentist. You can pull your own teeth. <laughs> I like it's not that. recommended. That's good. That's not good. recommended. Yeah. Probably go to a dentist. It is an intimidating class for some people, isn't it? Yep. Because uh, to me, I'm thinking Wall Street, I'm thinking numbers everywhere. Where do we start? So where should somebody be starting? Is it just a matter of coming and getting advice? Yeah, I think I think that's a good place. I'm certainly an advocate for that for sure because investing in shares needs to be a part of your whole financial plan. Well, where does it sit? Shares and property are not strategy. They're not a they're not a um, they're not a goal. You shouldn't have a goal that I want to invest in shares. You shouldn't have a goal that I want to invest in property. Your goal is we want to build wealth for the future. Uh, we want to build wealth for retirement. And then you start to say, well what tools can we use to build that wealth? And is that shares, is that property? And that's where that conversation comes in. So we think advice is good. But if you want to have a crack on your own open yourself up a ComSec trading account uh, or something like that, NabTrade, whatever it is, and, uh, you know, do some do some research. But, you know, be, be aware it's a it's um, a bit of a, a dangerous world out there. You can lose your money. What's the worst piece of advice you've heard around financial planning? What's the one at the barbecue or someone's come <clears> in and said, my uncle's told me I should be doing this? 
Yep. Is there any okay. bad ones you want to knock on the head? Yeah, I think this is probably, uh, you know, I hear this a lot. I even had clients come in to me yesterday with this kind of thing. And I think it's true for, for shares, property, doesn't matter what it is. And, and it's that age-old challenge where you fall fall in the, into, the, into the trap of being emotional about investing. So a classic one is where we see there being a bit of doom and gloom in the media, you know, worried about whether Trump's going to invade North Korea or Brexit or whatever it is. There's always noise and there's always negative media. And so that can create a lot of fear. And quite often barbecue advice will be, well, that's the time to get out or stay away. And then conversely, you'll have periods of time in, in the economic cycles where everything's just going gangbusters. Property's booming, shares are booming, everyone's feeling great. The media's writing that you, you just can't lose money. Uh, and so everyone around the barbecue is saying, oh, mate, tell you what, share, share market's been going gangbusters for six years straight, I'm jumping in. Or property market's uh, on a 10-year roll, I'm jumping in as well. Uh, and so people have left to their own emotions and the barbecue advice will tend to invest when things are going great and that means typically high and they'll get out or, or, or stay away when things are low. If you flip that on its head, what smart guys are out there doing is actually they're buying when things are tough, when the media is bad, uh, when assets are, are, are down or falling, that's when they're actually buying uh, and when things are going gangbusters, that's when they're selling. So it's, it's kind of flipping it on its head. If you rely on unqualified barbecue advice, People have got the best intentions. They're not trying to harm you. But as, as emotional human beings, which we are, that the tendency is to jump in when there's FOMO about, uh, when there's euphoric media about and things are good, and they'll tend to uh, um, try and get out when things are bad, and that's the reverse of what a smart investor should do. So uh, one saying we've got here is when the Uber driver tells you to invest somewhere, <laughs> it's time to run. That's a good one. Yeah, it's I like to that run. too. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the way to avoid that is really, again, just to go back to getting good advice, surrounding yourself with the right team who will take the emotion out of it That's and it. just look at this raw data and say, what yep. is the data telling us, not what is the headline telling us? That's exactly right. When it's your own money, you can be uh, you can know this stuff. But when it's your own money, you can still make poor decisions because I know uh, <clears throat> the textbooks are telling me that this is actually a time I should buy or a time I should sell, but I'm feeling like it's the opposite. Things are going crazy right now. Um, the, the markets are down and falling. There's no way I want to invest my own money right now. But textbooks would say that you should. So having advice and having a team helps you make good decisions despite emotion. One uh, takeaway here for people is to understand the purpose of the media too. So they're there to sell newspapers. They're there to get you to click on the banner. Yep. You won't see a headline that says the market's doing okay. It's either sky, it's either booming or it's falling. It's exactly one or right. the other. So yep. we're never sitting in the middle there. So we'll see articles a week apart that says the market's in a bubble and we'll see another one saying it's about to fall. Exactly you know, right. it's, it's on its way up. Yep. So, no, uh, I couldn't agree more. Yep. What's next for you? Do you mean uh, personally? Professionally. Professionally, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm a, a sole practitioner, I guess. I've got a team who work for me and uh, they assist me so that I can be in front of my clients more. But we're getting, well, I'm getting pretty full. Like, you know, my, my, to, to have integrity behind what I do, I can only have so many clients. The nature of financial planning is we walk with people on an ongoing basis and so I can't have more than my fair share uh, of people that I'm helping. And so I'm starting to to build a team. Uh, we've got a great process on how we give advice. And I think that's repeatable. Um, we've got some great people in our business. 
Uh, and one one guy in particular, Michael, he's now in in a, in a place where he's ready to step up, start seeing clients. And so, you know, by, before the end of the year, he's going to be ready, ready and raring to go and actually to help people himself. I'm excited by that. You know, I'll uh, be, be um, helping him through that journey as well. And it'll always be a team approach to advice. But, yeah, clarity is, is growing for sure because there's lots of people who need help, mate, and we're, we, we really want to help them. Fantastic. Uh, winding up the show today, is there one key takeaway, one bit of advice? If they've listened to this whole thing, you want them to jot it down and take away. What, <clears throat> uh, what have you got for them? All right. Well, we've talked a lot about financial planning, not much about property. So I reckon one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given uh, was that particularly Shire related, I reckon the way that property works in the Shire, this is my little tip, right? I've been following this for some time, is that I reckon the cycle moves from Cronulla and ends up at, at, at Menai, yep. okay, or, or Waterfall or wherever you want to call it. So you'll see property market perhaps being flat or, or in a bit of a funk, where we perhaps were, you know, 12 months ago. And then all of a sudden you'll start to see prices in Cronulla get ridiculous. I can't believe that house just went for four mil. That's crazy. That could not be worth $4 million. And then the house down the street goes for four and then 4.2 and you think, okay, hang on a minute. Then you watch and then maybe six, 12 months later you start to see it happen in Woolaware. Carrying bar starts moving its way down the Shire. Uh, and as it moves through the Shire, it might end up at Menai, say, and then six months later, it's the rule, northern suburbs of Wollongong. So I, I just, I've, you know, I've said to my wife, I just really think there's an opportunity there. Whereas, where if you see, if you're looking at investing in property, um, you know, if that's that is the right thing for you, one little sleeper that I like to look out for is where's that cycle at the moment? You know, has is there been, been a bit of movement closer to the coast, and does that mean there's a bit of an opportunity out in Ingedean, for example, to buy when things haven't really moved there yet, or, or has it kind of really? hit shy but not northern suburbs of Wollongong yet is that something you know so that's completely unqualified I'm not a property uh, advisor nah. whatsoever but if you are going to invest in property and you know property is a great investment for, for a lot of people and, and you're in the shire that can be a kind of little bit of a sleeper tip I think I love it <laughs> yep. similar <laughs> advice we see so that there is a ripple they yep. generally start in the CBD or on the water so yep. that's where people want to live yep. and then as that becomes unaffordable the, the ripple moves out so you've explained it exactly right it will start in in the CBD down near the water and then from there you'll see it move down through the Shire and out down to the Illawarra so yeah one, one, one little sleeper close to my heart is somehow Kernel misses out and then and then it catches up as well when perhaps Menai and Gideon are going but it's on the water so you know I, I tend to think that, is that happening right now I don't know you know it seems like all of a sudden Cronulla Woolaware started starting to go wild again it's crazy prices down there are going silly so I don't know is that an opportunity could be yep it's a little forgotten about hub down that, the back that, there but yeah, knows, absolutely uh, Sean thanks so much for joining us today where can people find you all right, mate. Uh, well, our office is in Sutherland. You know, we're just a humble practice down there um, near the train station, so you can hop off the train or there's plenty of parking uh, where we are on the quiet side of Sutherland or online, clarityfp.com.au. And uh, all the socials. You're... Yeah, we're all on there yeah. as well. Yeah, Perfect. yeah, come find us. Brilliant. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for coming in. Mate, thanks for having me. Cheers. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.